Mark Sahaba, the voice of Ahle Sunnah wal Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Respected listeners of Mark Sahaba, the voice of Ahle Sunnah wal We welcome you to our interview segment, and it is with Mufti Masyur Lakaji Damud Barakatuh. Today our topic is on Maktab, the importance of Maktab. So let's welcome Mufti Sahab. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, how's Mufti Sab doing? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, it's been a long time. The last I saw on Mufti Sab's status, the SIM card was uh, hacked or something happened of that nature. Yeah, we're going overseas and somebody took over the SIM card and as Allah said, it was all sorted So just to inform the listeners, what do you do in, in such a situation? So what I want, because I was going overseas, somebody took control over the SIM card and the WhatsApp. So all the passwords and that was going there. So what should be done in the future is that the person's WhatsApp, you should put on the 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 two-pin verification. Mm. So in that way, a person, even if he gets control over the SIM card, he won't be able to get control over the WhatsApp. Mufti Sahib, with regards to the maktab, we know that many of our parents are looking, already have assigned their children to a particular maktab. But what is, firstly, we'll ask the question, what's the importance of a maktab? We see many parents are now giving preference to extra murals, this, that, the other. So a maktab is getting neglected. And just like the previous Ambiya, one of the main functions and the mandates of Ambiya was to recite the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to make tilawat, teach them the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to teach them the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to purify them, to purify their ummah from the aqidah, the bad aqidah and false beliefs, and from those spiritual diseases and spiritual sicknesses. And we see Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent as rahmatul lil alameen, as a mercy unto mankind, for the adults of this ummah, for the young of the ummah, for the males, for the females, for the wealthy, for the poor, <coughs> for all segments of society. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had this good interaction with the youngsters and with the kids and with the children from the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, very famous, we know the story of Sayyidina Anas radiallahu anhu, the special attendant of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, spent 10 years in the company, in the khidmat, in the sohbat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Another one, a Sahabi, was eating in front of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and his hand was going all over the plate. So... Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is nurturing and showing the tarbiyat and making the tarbiyat of this young sahabi. So he tells him in simple terms that, Oh my young boy, Sammillaha wa kul biyaminik wa kul mimma yali. Basic uh, advice but so profound 
O my young boy, when you sit down to eat, then take the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is ta'aleem, this is tarbiyat. And take the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, eat with your right hand. <coughs> and eat from the food that is near to you. So from a young age, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is teaching this young sahabi and the very famous Arabic saying, Al-ilmu fi sighri naqshi ala al-hajari something that is taught to a child in his infancy, in his young age, this is as if it has been inscribed on rock and it has been written on rock. It is for this very same very same reason that we send our youngsters and we aspire to send our children and we teach them from a very young age so that this iman is embedded in the heart. And we should not look at it lightly. A child is going to the maktab, he's learning the kalimas, he's learning Iman-e-Mujmal, Iman-e-Mufassal, these things, they act as barriers against the fitnas, against the shirk, against the kufr that is going to come later on in his life. We might take it to be something simple, an hour, two hours, or three hours a day, but a child goes through the system eight, ten hours, or eight, ten years of his life, we should continue with much more. One of our kabir have mentioned, through the barakah and the blessings of this ta'aleem and this teaching, Later on, it will save him, especially in today's era and age, where it is the age of, together with kufr and shirk, it's the age of the intellectual apostasy. People have been studying for so many years and have so many degrees, but they cannot understand basic concepts. And many of them had not been to the maktab system. And those that had went through the maktab system later on in life, because these things have been embedded into their system, then the importance of this, if it doesn't show immediately, it shows later on in life. And we see that this learning at home or in the maktab system is also one of the main reasons that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had made such that Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu when he set out on the day to assassinate Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then he was directed to the house of his sister, and his sister and brother-in-law were receiving lessons at home. At that age, they had accepted Islam at that age, so they did not have a chance <coughs> to learn about Islam in their infancy, in their youth, in their young age. So they learned about Islam whilst they were already adults, and whilst they were having the talim at home, whilst they were having the maktab at home, then Sayyidina Umar radiallahu came in, and the incident is mentioned in Fazail Amal, Shaykh Rahmatullah but eventually, after reciting those verses of the Qur'an, after taking a bath, purifying himself, was one of the means of him accepting Islam. So although the maktab system might seem to be something very simple, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept great wisdom and hikmat behind this year. And we will discuss now that, you know, regarding the first maktab in South Africa, which began in the Cape, and then also when our Akabir and elders and our seniors came to the country, Jobal and Durban and other parts of the country, this was amongst the main fikr and worry, the masjid and the maktab. Also, we find that, um, as you were saying, Muftisab, I was also reflecting on my own particular life that so many times it didn't make sense at that time, the importance of it. But afterwards in life, and so many hours is given to school, but this one hour, two hours that we often give, and it's often due to our weaknesses as students too, it's been given like on a half-heartedly basis. If there's something else, we'll give preference to that. But still yet, it shows so much of importance and it's able to 
blow out or extinguish all of this kufr that they want to promote. And then later, as Muftisab mentioned in your life, it, and we see this in school, that when now you'll see grade RR, that some children are still in nappies at that <laughs> age, and they are going, and because what they what they teach at that age, it sticks with you for the rest of your life, as Muftisab had mentioned also that poem. So all of this places or it plays such an important role in our lives, the maktab. Some parents feel that if we are unable to send our children to the maktab, can we do online maktab? Is this the same? Yeah, I'll get back to that now in a few minutes. I just, with regards to the first maktab, the article by the Talimi Board of KZN mentioning the incident of the first maktab in South Africa, and this was in the year 1793, so it's already almost about 220 years plus since the first maktab in South Africa, known maktab, and mentioned that on the 6th of April, 1780, a prince by the name of Imam Abdullah ibn al-Qadi, famously known as Tuan Guru, was brought to the Cape of Good Hope as a prisoner of the Dutch. He was having issues there, and he was not uh, willing to uh, uh, succumb to the pressure of the Dutch government who were ruling Indonesia at that time. <coughs> so they looked at him and said, you know, this guy is a problem maker, he is a problem causer, let us dispatch him to some far away part of the world. But subhanallah, the ulama and those who passed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it such that they had to make hijrah. So in this case, forced migration. He was forced when he was chased away from his country, Indonesia. He was sent to Cape Town as a prisoner. And he was in prison at Robben Island. He stayed there for some time. But here once again we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his special mercy. This was a means of the hidayat of so many people in the Cape province. And Sheikh Abdullah ibn al-Qadi, Imam Tuanguru, he was also from the lineage of Nabi Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He is in prison and he writes a few copies of the Qur'an from memory. Mm. And he authors some books with regards to the aqidah and the belief system of the believers. We see also when Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam was put into jail, then he also made da'wah in jail. He invited the inmates of jail. was put in jail in Bangladesh. And how many hundreds of the inmates benefited from him so much so that when he left also, people felt that gap. And with regards to the maktab as well, Allah was put into jail because of the protection of the iman of the children in that particular country. There is an article recently with Allah, how many students at that time or that had passed through the Makati that has established in Bangladesh was probably over a million students. Mm-hmm. This is the iman of these millions of students that is being saved. And the effort of the missionaries, the effort of the enemies of Islam against the Muslim countries is not just something by the way, but rather it is well orchestrated, it is well coordinated to Years ago, we met a brother in Malawi. He was mentioning to us that the special focus of the missionaries at that time was in three Muslim countries, Malawi and Bangladesh and Philippines. And they tried to snatch away the iman of the believers and the Muslims. So when he came, he spent 13 years in jail and he was released in the year 1793. Went through difficulty upon difficulty. And the first concern that Imam Abdullah had was, was the establishment of a madrasa and a masjid 
and he established this madrasa in Dropsy, which was then, which then became the very first maktab in South Africa. And we see this masjid is still standing in Bokap, and a copy of the Quran, which was written by him, is still preserved in this masjid. Over 220 years, you can imagine the sincerity and the cry and the pain and the fitter and the worry and the concern of this imam that he had come here as a prisoner and he didn't get caught up in the system or just become depressed or forget everything. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used him to revive Islam in the Western faith. Similarly, when our seniors and our forefathers came from the subcontinent mostly <coughs> to Johannesburg and Durban, then even before they had their own self settled, the community took it upon itself at the masjid and the maktab and the madrasa should be established. And when this was established, then slowly, slowly they started, you know, worrying about their own selves and their own work, etc. This is the importance that our seniors had given and it is through the barakah and the blessings of our seniors. And when we travel the different parts of the world, then we will realize and we will witness it firsthand the effects of not having the maktub system. And as times Allah forgive us, we're living in this society and, you know, we're going through the maktub system and the his class and the alim classes. And we don't realize what people out there do not have. Let's look at South America, for example. Any of the people that had went to settle down in South America hundreds, hundreds of years ago, there were Arabs also from Lebanon, from Palestine, from Jordan, from these areas from the progeny of Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Some of them were from the progeny of Sayyidina Abbas radiallahu anhum. Some of them were from the progeny of different Sahaba radiallahu anhum. We're talking about Arabs. But a few decades later, not, the children are not able to recite the Quran. They are not able to recite the Kalima. They have drifted away from the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they want to again go and revive the world, and ulama from South Africa have went down there and settled down there, etc. Made a lot of effort themselves, their wives, their children, and this is just to teach the people the basics of deen, so that the iman is protected, the iman is safeguarded. Coming back to your question, Mona, with regards to <coughs> the online system, so this during the COVID time it exploded, and many people were not able to leave their homes <laughs> for a certain amount of time, etc. And they were studying online. If you look at the studying online, there's an article by Rifaqul Ulama with regards to the specific topic, studying online. And they mentioned very, very, some very, very important aspects and points here. One aspect is that it is knowledge is not just something like how you learn in school, your geography, or your English, or your maths, or your history. But this is something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put a special light and a nur in the heart of a child or a person that's learning this year. So this knowledge is heart to heart and it was always transmitted from person to person. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whenever he sent a book, a sahifa, a kitab, then he always sent a nabi with it. So that this nabi will directly and practically teach them and demonstrate to them. Also we see Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the cave, Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi sallam came to him and taught him. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught the sahaba radiallahu anhum. The sahaba radiallahu anhum <coughs> they taught the tabi'een. So this ilm which is a nur it is transmitted heart to heart. That is why when a person is, 
sitting in front of the Ustad, in front of the Apa, in the Maktab, then it is very, very easy for that person to learn in this environment. Imam al famous statement, he mentioned that this ilm is nur, wa nurullah la yu'ta and one of the specialities of this nur, if a person wants to receive it in his heart, then he has to abstain from sins. And if a person gets involved in sin, he must make tawbah as soon as possible. And part of this learning, a very important aspect is the aspect of adab and etiquette. That is why when Rasulullah and Sayyidina Jibreel when they had the discussion, as mentioned in the famous hadith of Hadith of Jibreel, and he, he mentions for Asna that Jibreel السلام, was sitting next to Rasulullah and the knees were touching. They were sitting on the floor and the learning and teaching was taking place in this manner. And when a person is studying <coughs> online, so maybe the parents are out at that time. The child is on the computer. The child is on the phone. Don't know what he's checking before that, what he's checking after that. And he's got some uh, chips and some snacks and some juice open. He's uh, not wearing his kurta. She's not wearing her abaya properly. They're sitting on the bed and they're lying down and they're relaxing and they're listening as if they're listening to some of their friends talking. In this manner, it will be very difficult for that proper ilm to be transmitted. Yes, there might be a once-off scenario where a person might be staying in a faraway farm and he's 30, 40, 50 kilometers away. He doesn't have somebody to take him. And under those extreme circumstances, a person now logs on and he tries to listen to the sabbath and he tries to listen to the lesson and he is still regretting because of his situation. That is not the normal rule. That is, now you can say, an exception to the rule. So as much as possible, we should try and take our children and let them present themselves in front, physically in front of the master, in front of the ustad, at the master, in front of the master, so that they can learn and progress in that manner. Jazakumullah khairan muftisa for that last or amongst the last questions. We'll see if there's more time, inshallah. But this, the way we see currently and we see the name of the jal, the meaning of the name of the jal, and that is to to mix up things. So it looks like this, but inside when you scratch deeper, you see something else. But if you don't have that spirituality, you're never going to find it. Many people are just, especially with many of the fitan that is out there now, you'll find billboards saying halal. You'll find a female standing next to that and promoting something. It recently, last week or the previous week, 24th, 25th, 26th December, Empress Palace, that's a casino, and there they had a halal festival. And they had, under the name of halal festival, they had Bollywood shows and this show and that show. Absolutely nothing to do with Islam, but... The name of halal, the name of Islam being used for all of this. So like this also, there are certain efforts which um, you'll say our spiritual founding forefathers also of South Africa had made so much of effort. But now there's this concerted effort also to instill or rather to insert in our maktab system certain concepts, certain ideas which were not there previously such as interfaith. So it makes it just a bit more challenging for a parent to choose the correct maktab. Mufti Sahib can advise us with regards to this. So just as mentioned previously, a child's mind is very impressionable and whatever is soaked into the child, into the mind of the child, 
then this will play out later in life. So just as we were talking about the importance of putting the correct aqidah and the tarbiyah and the ta'aleem in the minds of this child, if the incorrect aqidah and the incorrect, or if it is diluted, if it is changed, then this will play out later on in the child's life. So very important together with the ta'aleem, also the tarbiyah takes place another article where we talk discussing the tarbiyah. They mentioned three du'as of Anbiya salam. If an apa and ustad, a tutor, an educator in the madrasa keeps this in focus and together with this making du'a for the child, then it will help the, uh, you know, the progress of the child. Then salam made this du'a for his son, Yahya salam, وَجَعَلْهُ رَبِّ رَضِيَّ Oh my Allah, make my son beloved to you. Oh Allah, make my son beloved to you. So as Apas and Ustaz, as teachers in the Maktab, we should be making du'a for our pupils. These children, they are our like our spiritual children, not our biological children. This is an important du'a that we make daily for our children. Because du'a will protect a person, person will recite his different azkar, this will protect a person. On advice of Azad Mu'abdul Hamid Sahib, Zaman Parakatum, also Hadith from Azad Mu'abdul Hamid Sahib, Zaman Parakatum, try and read Surah Kaf every day. This one is Friday, protect us from the main Dajjal, the Dajjali fitness. And if this is a bit difficult for us, then at least daily, the first 10 verses and the last 10 verses of Surah Kaf, if we can try and read it, it will take us two, two minutes. Try and read it, inshallah, this will help us to protect ourselves better, to see the fitness better. Sometimes a person is driving, it's musty, he owns the demister, it clears up the road for him, he uses his wipers, it clears up the road for him, he can see better. And we will read this first ruku and last ruku of Surah daily as well. It will help us to uh, you know, see the road better and help us to see this fitness better. This is dua that Sayyidina Zakaria salam made for Sayyidina Yahya salam. The second dua, the dua that the mother of Maryam, Allah made for her son Isa, Allahumma inni u'idhuha bika wa zurriyyataha min ash-shaytan al-rajim. Actually, it was the dua of the grandmother of Isa salam, who she made this dua for her daughter Maryam. So we can make this dua, Allahumma inni u'idhuha bika wa zurriyyataha min ash-shaytan al-rajim. Allah asked me to protect my child and his or her progeny from shaitan, the accursed one. And the third dua, the dua of Sayyidina Ibrahim is an amazing dua. He said, وَجْنُبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ أَنْ نَعْبُدَ الْأَسْنَامِ Sayyidina Ibrahim is such a great muwahid, a person who broke idols, a person who challenged his people, his community, his father. He challenged all of them. And he held on firm to the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But here he's making this dua, Allah protect me and my children from worshipping idols. Other question might arise, that what's the need for Khalil al-Rahman, Ibrahim alayhi salam, to make dua to save himself from idol worship? Because he is a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He broke the idols, where will he worship the idols? The ulama given a beautiful explanation and mentioned that the environment around him was an environment of idol worship. Hmm. The environment was an environment of idol worship, so he didn't want the effect of the environment to come on him and his children. So we are also going through these different difficulties and 
also these moments and these uh, environments of kufr and shirk. So we have to beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us and our children from shirk. As you mentioned, interfaith, etc. These are things which is not something to be fed to the children. Rather, they should be focusing on the imani mujmal, imani mufassal, saving one from shirk. Surah, and the meaning of it to save, and it's very clear, distancing oneself from shirk. Now, if we're going to be bringing these different ideologies and these different things to try and, I don't know, soothe and appease whoever, it's going to be at the detriment of the iman of these young children. Chief of this up, we know that... Always we make so much of shukr and gratitude that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had blessed perhaps many of us, especially Indians, that our forefathers were not Muslim perhaps. And then somewhere along the line, they got hidayat and that came to us. So we made a lot of shukr and we still continue to make a lot of shukr. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to make more shukr for this. But as we see the efforts are more now to take you from that where you were protected and you're making sh- so much of shukr, you're going back into these environments, the churches, the mandirs, all of this, it's just become like a norm now. This is the current fitna that we see it's on a global scale. It's the Abrahamic Accord. And in on a national scale, you'll see it is the interfaith, the organizations which are grouping together. Till now, they have meetings every now and then to see how they can, and they say we're representing the ummah. But this year, Muftisab, how can we protect ourselves also? And as a last question, in two minutes, Muftisab can answer this also. An elderly person feels that he, it's too, is it too late for him to still to gain knowledge, to go to enroll, we'll say, but not on a formal basis, basically, but to enroll, to learn some, edu- to learn some Islamic beliefs, basics, which he, didn't, he missed out on? Yeah, with regards to the first part of the question, we should try and speak to our seniors and our kabirin and our elders, those who are following and holding on firm to the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, holding on firm to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who some others consider them to be backwards or traditionalists, those that are not bringing about new ideas uh, at the expense. Now you're taking young girls, you're taking them for a tour, you're taking them to the church, you're taking them... Now, you might tell uh, yourself and say that, no, you know, you're telling them, you know, this is the harm. But the fact that you're taking them into these places tomorrow, what stops them from saying, hey, you know, this place is nice? Mm. So that's why it's very important that we choose the correct maktab. And more often than not, that maktab ustad is going to be the main, you know, the link for that student. Afterwards, the student, the boy might go study, become a professional, etc., but his maktab ustad, he can relate to the ustad. So it's very, very important to keep that link and also to bring the ex-students also close, etc. With regards to the senior brother, alhamdulillah, in this country, we are very blessed whichever area he's staying in. He can speak the imam of that masjid, the imam of that area. And a lot of masajids, they have once a week any program or once a week this program. Or he can speak to the imam. He can speak to an alim in his locality. Inshallah, the alim will not refuse him even if it takes out 15 minutes to half an hour a week, within a few weeks, few months, Allah going forward, he learn a lot. And he should not feel shy, but rather he should continue learning. And in this way, while he is learning, Allah Ta'ala will increase his knowledge and Allah Ta'ala will protect his iman as well. 
Jazakumullah khairan, Mufti Sahib, for your advices. Please uh, make dua for us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah.